We are to be a blessing. You've probably been wondering what this peanut butter is up here. Well, about uh, eight or nine years ago, uh, Susan's parents were, were very ill. And uh, they, they've passed away. It's been eight years now for your, your, your seven, seven years. And uh, her mom, um, a little sooner than that. But uh, while she was going up there, making countless trips, it was my responsibility to take care of the kids and, um, and to prepare their lunches in the morning time. And uh, there was one time where Susan was gone, and I was uh, up making peanut butter sandwiches for uh, Trevor and Emily. And uh, after the first day, they saw me in the kitchen making peanut butter sandwiches the next day and they said dad we don't like peanut butter sandwiches now i you know i just thought they were complaining what kid doesn't like peanut butter jelly sandwiches and i said you know what everybody likes peanut butter and jelly sandwiches this is good stuff quit complaining and just eat your i wasn't very pleasant at the time you know i it takes a lot getting kids ready in the in out the door on I, I appreciate what mothers do. And uh, so the next day I packed their lunches and they went to school. And the very same thing took place on Wednesday morning. They were complaining about their peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They were nasty. And there's nothing wrong with this peanut butter. And I made them another sandwich. Well, <laughs> wasn't very merciful. Well, uh, Easter was coming around. And... Uh, in fact, we, we, we host folks in our church on Easter Sunday, and, and my wife, one of her traditions is to make uh, peanut bust butter Easter eggs, and she uses those as uh, a name place at all those that we invite over to the house. Well, uh, it was during the, the, the dinner we had finished, and uh, there was our, our name on the Easter egg, and I thought to myself, you know, that... That looks pretty good. I'm going to clear my palate and have a bite of this egg. I was the first one to bite into this egg. And I bite into the egg, and it tastes rather unusual. Something's wrong with this egg. You know what, what, I, what, what we came to determine? The peanut butter had become rancid. This was the same peanut butter, not, not this jar, but this was the same peanut butter that I was spreading on my kids' sandwiches for their lunches. And what they were complaining as nasty, and I said, there's nothing wrong with that peanut butter. And all, all that time, it was rancid peanut butter. Now, what does rancid peanut butter have to do with our passage of Scripture this morning? We are looking at some people's lives that Jesus is talking to whose lives on the inside had become rancid. Their lives had become a door, an obstacle to the gospel rather than a window um, a pathway to others finding God. And nobody wanted to be around them. So if you have your Bibles, I want us to look at Luke chapter 11. And we're going to read kind of a long passage of Scripture this morning. 
verses 33 through 54. Jesus says this, no one after lighting a lamp puts it under, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him, so he went in and reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them and without knowing it. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us. And he said, Woe to you, lawyers, also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you blind, you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are a witness, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. As he went away from there, the scribes and Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. We are this morning looking at the rancidness of religion. These uh, Pharisees, these scribes, these lawyers, their hearts were rancid. Why were they, they rancid, according to Jesus this morning? There's uh, several things I want to point out to you, and we'll try to do this uh, quickly. 
the first um, the first thing we see is in um, verses 33 through 36. Uh, when it came to the Pharisees' hearts and the scribes, their eyes their eyes were closed to Jesus. They weren't hearing his words. They weren't believing uh, who he said he was. Uh, they refused to believe. All they were looking for were more signs. They kept asking for more signs. Show us, Jesus, that you really are the Messiah. And this passage is on the heels of verses 29 through 32. And Jesus told uh, these religious people, you don't need another sign. You know, the queen of Sheba and the prophet Jonah, they're going to rise up and judge you because they believe, the queen of Sheba believed Solomon's words, who God said he was, and they believed Jonah's words. The Ninevites believed Jonah's words and they repented. And here, these Pharisees, they have the very presence of God before their eyes. And they're still asking for more signs. And Jesus says, you know, that the Queen of Sheba and and the Ninevites are going to rise up and judge you because they believe and they had less to go on than you all have. These Pharisees refused to open their eyes to who Jesus was. You know, in in, uh, a few chapters from now, we're going to be looking at blind Bartimaeus. Uh, You have a story in Luke chapter 18 and also in Mark chapter 10. Blind Bartimaeus could never see Jesus. But he heard that Jesus was passing his way. And blind Bartimaeus could see Jesus from his heart when his eyes couldn't say. What was his testimony? What was his proclamation in getting Jesus to stop and heal him? Jesus, the son of David. Jesus, I know that you are David's son. You are going to be the king that's going to reign on the throne of David forever and ever. Bartimaeus could see Jesus blind when the Pharisees, who could see, couldn't see Jesus. The eyes, my friend, are very important. Important to the windows of your soul. Are you looking intently at Jesus this morning? What's your focus on? Is it is your focus on your checkbook or your children or your job or you know all these other things that make your heart anxious? You want peace this morning? You want things to go well for you? Now, this, this doesn't mean that these issues are going to go away. But you want things in your life to be clean, to go well, to be smoother. Look to Jesus. The Pharisees' hearts 
were rancid. People didn't want to be around them or associated with them because their hearts, their eyes were closed to Jesus. That's the first one. The second thing we see is in verses 42 and 43. They love to display their commitment to God. I mean, they were proud of what... I'm sorry, I got a, jumped ahead of myself there, John. I'm sorry. Um, second, they were focused on their own self-righteousness. They invite Jesus over to the house in, verses thir- in verse 37. And custom is that they wash... But if you're a Pharisee, you wash in a particular manner. Now, Jesus isn't against hygiene, okay? I'm sure his hands were clean, but they weren't ceremonially cleaned like the Pharisees. And he began, and Jesus began to eat. And the Pharisees were appalled by this. Jesus didn't ceremonially clean his hands. Now, they weren't questioning Jesus. There wasn't any audible conversation. But guess what? Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking in his heart. And he says this in verse 39. Now, you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. Pharisees were all about... The outside. They wanted to make sure that they were coming across um, correctly, spiritually, in other people's eyes. They wanted people to know just how holy, how right they were before God. And Jesus is not impressed with their ceremonial cleansing. He says, you focus on the cup, you focus on the dish, but you are full of greed and wickedness. You are hypocrites. What you think is most important is not what is most important to God. What's most important to God, my friend? To hearts. See, the God has made the inside just as much as he's made the outside. The Pharisees were only concentrating on the outside. Folks, what's most important is our hearts. We give that alm. We give that offering to him. Does he have your hearts? If he doesn't have your heart, it's easy to gravitate to greed and worldliness. The Pharisees' lives were rancid because it was all about their self-righteousness. The third thing we see in this passage of Scripture is in verses 42 and 43. They loved to display their commitment to God. Verse 42, but woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. Pharisees were great tithers. 
Not only did they love to show themselves giving their their, uh, resources, their finances to God, Pharisees also tithed their spike rack. I mean, they they were about tithing everything, and they wanted to make sure everybody knew it. Jesus says, you know, you do an important thing, but you're missing the most important thing, the love and justice of God. And Jesus says, you need to be doing that as well. Tithing is important. That doesn't mean you're to neglect that. But you are to to love others and make sure that justice is, is prevailing among you. You know what? This hit me right between the eyes as I was looking at this passage of Scripture this week. Um, You know, when I go shopping on those rare occasions, um, like I'm going to Walmart or or something of that nature, and occasionally there's going to be some kind of non-profit group out in the parking lot and and they're seeking to raise funds whether it be for the women's shelter or uh, the pregnancy care center and uh, occasionally as I'm going into the store you know I'll get I'll be asked the question would you like to contribute to to our ministry I've been a Pharisee you know I tell them said, no, that's all right. I give at my church. That's what the Pharisees would say. No, it's not, it's not about love and justice, a generosity out in the marketplace. As Pharisees, no, they give their resources in the house of God. And they overlook the, the needs in the community And they're about displaying their righteousness at the temple or the synagogue. Jesus said, you know, what you're doing is good. It's important that you you give the tithe. But not to the neglect of love and justice. So I need to change my ways. That's kind of hard to change my ways when I don't carry cash. So I'm going to have to figure this out. You know, all I ever use is an ATM card, but God wants us to be generous here. God wants me to be generous here, and God wants me to be generous out there. The Pharisees weren't, and their hearts and their lives had become rancid. The Pharisees, you know, they loved the best seats in the house. I mean, they had season tickets in the synagogue, okay? And they they sat in the, the favorite places and at the best, at the head of the table of the banquets, banqueting tables. And they loved the accolades in the marketplace. They loved to parade their religion in public. See how spiritual I am. And what was impressive on this outside, Jesus was not impressed. Their hearts were rancid. Their lives were repulsive. And he says this in verse uh, 44. He says, um, 
Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. You are making lives unclean. They might think that they are, they are uh, pointing others to God, but actually people are repulsed by them. And people, the, the common, ordinary person is thinking to himself, I could never measure up. I could never be like them. God will never accept me. And they were, the Pharisees' lives were making other lives unclean. They weren't being a window. They were being a door. And so here we have a pause in the, the passage of Scripture in verse 45. And one of the scribes comes up to Jesus. And he says, Jesus, you've hurt our feelings. Look at George over there. You made George cry. Thinking that Jesus is going to be a little merciful here. But is he? Absolutely not. Now he turns his attention to the scribes. These are the lawyers. These are the the, uh, the the men who are more perfect than the Pharisees. And Jesus says this in verse 46. Woe to you lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you. You're rancid as well. And why are they rancid? Because they are people all about the rules. Rather than making it easier for people to find God, to be that window into his presence, the the scribes want to add more rules to what God said was important. Uh, We're not going to take the time this morning, but... One of the things we find in the Old Testament, one of the laws is to to keep the Sabbath holy. Well, the scribe's heart was, in order to keep the Sabbath holy, we need to add more laws to God's law to ensure that the Sabbath is kept holy. But unfortunately, what happened was that the ordinary person couldn't do these man-made laws that the scribes had come up to. And the Sabbath became more and more of a burden. And they were weighted down. And the scribes wouldn't even lift a finger to help them. Scribes and Pharisees' hearts were rancid because they were focused on the rules. Scribes' hearts were, were rancid because they were full of hypocrisy. Jesus says, you loved, you loved to build up the tombs. When you really look back at Jewish history, when God sent his prophets, what happened to those prophets? The people of Israel killed those prophets. These scribes' fathers killed those prophets. But now we see these scribes, they're going back to the prophets' tombs and they're building them out. They're washing them. They're, they're making a, the, these tombs something of importance. These were holy men of God, these prophets that gone before us. But Jesus says, just as your fathers have killed the prophets, 
so you are killers as well. God in his infinite wisdom is going to send another prophet in Jesus himself and the apostles. And Jesus says, you're going to kill them. You are just like your fathers. You're nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. Because you're all about looking perfect in the eyes of others. You're an obstacle. And and the common person doesn't want to have anything to do with you. And what's the result? Jesus says there is going to be great judgment. And there was great judgment. If you look back at Jewish history, in 70 A.D., God destroyed the temple in Jerusalem through the Romans and Titus' conquest. Um, And today, you look at the city of Jerusalem, you look at the state of Israel, and their presence may, may be there, but they are nothing but a Gentile state. Jerusalem is nothing but a Gentile city. Their hearts are not, um, their hearts have not come back to God yet. One day, one day it will, but they're not there yet. And God has pronounced judgment, and God will continue to pronounce judgment on these people until they cry out as Jesus, as their Messiah. But right now, they are a door. Jesus says, you've thrown away. You had the ability to, you had the key of knowledge. You could have brought others to God. But instead, you've become a door. And so as we wrap up this message this morning, what's the answer to rancidness? What's the answer to people not being repulsed by our lives, looking at the Christian community, looking at the church, and instead of the church being a door, an obstacle, how can we become a window? How can we be that light that Jesus talks about in verse 33, where people can see and people can enter People can know God and follow him. Three things. Three points of application this morning. Well, first, in order to to not be rancid, is you've got to give your heart to God. Give your heart, give God the offering of your heart. Does he have your heart this morning, friend? Three applications this morning. Number one is this. Evaluate your intake. What are you allowing your eyes to filter into your soul? What are you concentrating on? When you wake up in the morning... 
Are you proclaiming, good Lord, it's morning? Or is your heart saying, good morning, Lord? Let me encourage you to evaluate your eyesight. If there's filters over your, your eyes and you're careful to, to filter out those things of the world that are bringing you down, if you're guarding your eyesight, if you're guarding your heart, you're going to be a person full of light, hope, optimism, and faith. But if your eyes are unfiltered, you're just taking in everything that the world is trying to cram into to our brain. Then your soul is going to be negative, suspicious, contrary, molded, expired, rancid. Evaluate your intake. Number two. Give the offering of your heart to God every day. This is what I want you to do this week. Tomorrow morning or whenever, you know, whenever you take that time to to set aside to be with God. For me, it's the morning time. I don't know what is for you. Guard that time. Don't let anything come between you and God. But take the time to get quiet before him and give him the offering of your heart. Start there. And then number three, who can you bless this week? Is there someone on your calendar, someone in your path, your attitude, your words, your behavior has been an obstacle to them seeing God in your life? I want to encourage you this week to be a blessing to them. What can you do to bless them? If God has your heart, if you're paying attention to the intake of your soul, if you're thinking about what you can do for others, my friend, you are a blessing. You will bless others. Imagine with me this morning. Imagine with me our kids, our grandkids, walking with Jesus, wanting to follow God's ways. That can happen if we're that person who's willing to be that blessing. Imagine coworkers coming to you and asking, what's different about you? They'll ask that question. If it's the desire of our heart for God to have his ways in us, 
Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these words. And and Father, I admit that there's often times that I pretend I'm focused on the outside. When God, you're always focused on the inside. I pray that in this service this morning, that Lord, this will be a new beginning. For us allowing you to have your way in our hearts. I just want you to stay seated this morning and Jimmy's going to lead us in this this song. Create me a clean heart, O God. Let's make this the prayer of our hearts. that blessing in the lives of others that you come in contact with.